Welcome to Unsupervised Learning. I'm Daniel Meisler, and this is a weekly show that explores the intersection of security, technology, and humans. I spend 5 to 20 hours a week consuming books, articles, and podcasts, which I then turn into a concise 15 to 30-minute summary and analysis. There's a summary episode every week, as well as periodic standalone episodes that are either me sharing an idea on a topic or discussing one with a guest. The goal is twofold, to keep you up to date on the absolute latest in security and technology, and to explore ideas that hopefully give you something to think about. All right, welcome to episode 226, starting off security news and coronavirus. The Bay Area has extended its stay-at-home order through the end of May, but I personally think that it will be much looser in the extent of the lockdown. And anecdotally, I'm already seeing things relax quite a bit. There were hundreds of people in Costco at the same time last weekend at Fremont. And uh, restaurants are generally open. It's pretty easy to get food. There are people out and about. I think the big thing that's not going to reopen is places where large numbers of people gather together in close proximity. That seems like that will be the last thing to change. But uh, the Bay Area seems, I don't know, relatively vibrant in terms of accessibility of services, especially food and restaurants and stuff like that. So I imagine that'll continue to open up over the course of May. San Francisco came out of lockdown too quickly in 1918, which led to high death rate in 1919. Hopefully we're aware of that and won't make the same mistakes this time. I kind of feel like we're walking that line with this permissibility of openness and the fact that restaurants are open, you can still walk inside to pick up your food, can't sit down and eat, but you can pick up the food and no one's being really crazy about the lockdown other than, you know, not being able to stay there and eat and of course go to the gym and go to the movies and stuff like that. But yeah, I think this is the hybrid that's going to effectively get us the mixture between a lockdown and intelligent opening. Sweden is getting a lot of attention due to its much more relaxed approach to lockdown. They largely stayed open and just advised people to keep social distance And they were evidently still able to control their infection numbers, similar to places that were far more extreme in their lockdown. So I think we can expect a lot of people studying whether their lockdown actually did work, if their numbers actually did stay low, and if they did, how was that possible? The governor of California is ordering autopsies going back to December of 2019 to see when people actually started dying of COVID-19 which I think is really smart. Graphica, with a K, released a stellar report on disinformation campaigns related to COVID-19. You should really check this one out. And Japan is going to pay 100% of salaries for its small businesses. Zoom is including a bunch of security updates in its upcoming version 5 release, including 256-bit AES dash GCM encryption support. They're also making security features far more prominent in the UI. 
so you don't have to go digging for them. Palantir has won a coronavirus tracking contract with the federal government. The NSA has shared a list of vulnerabilities that are often used to plant web shells. I love what NSA and other federal agencies are doing right now. There's a lot more outreach, a lot more interaction with the community. And Gray Noise has a new service that lets you know if outbound scans are originating from networks that you own, which is pretty cool. Got a buddy over there. And uh, yeah, really cool stuff they're putting out. Breaches. Nintendo says 160,000 accounts were accessed during a hacking attempt. Wasn't really an attempt, though. They did access the accounts, so a hacking success. I guess it depends on what they were going for. Technology news. Patreon laid off 13% of its workforce. Netflix added 16 million new users in the first three months of 2020, bringing the Netflix total to 182 million subscribers. A lot of people were predicting that they would have a lot of trouble coming their way from different groups entering into the streaming video market. But this situation, I think, has uh, strengthened their position. And they continue to double down on lots of good investments. So seem to be going strong right now. Facebook is coming out with a competing service for Zoom. I think it could be compelling, actually, for a lot of people who use Facebook, similar to the way people used AOL, meaning Facebook is basically the internet for them. But I don't think it's going to have the universal appeal of Zoom. And I definitely don't think it's going to be popular with businesses, because why would you want to mix your business world with your private Facebook ID, you know, which is very personal and very tied to your personal life. And would you want to go and create another business Facebook ID? I, I don't think so. So I think Zoom will be okay. Otter.ai is offering live interactive transcripts of your Zoom meetings. Facebook and AWS are partnering to release new PyTorch libraries. Granulate raises $12 million to use AI to optimize computing infrastructure in real time. AWS has launched a service called AppFlow that makes it easier to transfer data between AWS and multiple SaaS applications. In Ubuntu 20.04, Focal Fossa has been released, which includes kernel 5.4 with WireGuard support, faster boot times, Python 3 by default, a new lock screen, and a dark mode setting, and hundreds of other updates, of course. Zoom now has 300 million daily users, and AWS has opened an Africa region, which is called Cape Town. Human news, poachers are using this opportunity to kill tons of animals. I'm a huge rule of law type guy, but if someone set up ambushes to kill poachers, I would probably be like, hmm, that's too bad. Peloton is moving to streaming live classes from instructors' homes. The pandemic and its recession is having a major impact on small bookstores, which were already struggling before this happened. So it's kind of like 
all that pie is just basically going to Amazon. That, it's sad. I mean, it, I love Amazon. It's awesome. But the diversity of these small bookstores and small coffee shops and small grocery stores and small diverse pockets of lots of things, it's kind of sad to see all that get folded up into a few big ones. Teenagers are less wild today, less uh, hedonic, less crazy, but they're also more isolated and depressed. So that's the trade-off that we are currently experiencing. Ideas and analysis, how China sees the world. Really interesting area of focus right now for me is China and basically what is their philosophy, what is their strategy, and what are they doing to make that strategy real? This is kind of a theme that I'm on right now, which is you know, trying to figure out high-level goals and strategies for different groups and then look for evidence of those strategies in various campaigns that we see from those actors. And the changing world order. This is um, actually, this is Ray Dalio, I think it's part of his principles book which I had already read. I was wondering why it seemed so familiar, but you should definitely check this little piece out. And a fascinating piece on why Zoom calls can exhaust us. My favorite piece out of this was they were talking about how we normally have different physical spaces for the different aspects of our life, personal, you know, home life, going to work. They're all, they all take place in different physical spaces. So it's easy to mentally switch modes when you're moving between them, which you can't really do when you're on Zoom calls because in Zoom, you're talking to work people, of course, assuming you use Zoom at work, but you're talking to work people, you're talking to your friends in the evening to do virtual parties or hangouts or drinking or whatever. And maybe you visit with your trainer at the same time and that's also on Zoom and it's just like, mixing all these different vibes into one thing. And, and they're saying this is causing exhaustion, which I think is fascinating. Yeah, this next idea is interesting here. I, I think I tweeted about this a couple of weeks ago. So basically we could be tainting memories of things we're experiencing right now with like really bad vibes. And we won't know that we're doing this until later. So imagine you found a new local coffee shop and uh, they have this favorite bean that, that you really love and, and you start, you have it the whole time and you're on lockdown and it's your only thing and it's like, it's just giving you happiness to experience this coffee bean and you're doing custom grinding or whatever. We'll talk about later why I'm talking about coffee all the time, but let's say that's the case. And you do this for whatever, three months while we're locked down. And uh, let's say you just start to go to a different coffee shop after things open up. And a year and a half later, you're walking by that place and you happen to want a coffee. You walk in, you get the coffee and you taste it. And you just experience this flood of negative emotion. It takes you right back to the pandemic you get like a fight or flight mechanism. You feel anxious. Just all this stuff hits you and you realize you don't actually like this coffee anymore. 
And it's a crazy idea because what else is being tainted in this way? I mean, this is how memory works. It, the way I like to describe it is um, various things that are happening during the memory formation, they're all bundled in with that memory. And it, I don't know how this works, you know, biologically, but it's fascinating that they get stuck there, right? So you can hear a sound and then smell a smell and then just feel a feeling because those were all saved along with the copy of that file, you know, for, in computer terms or whatever. So whatever the mechanism is, there is this bundling. And the stress of this pandemic is a very strong uh, valence, has a very strong valence of emotion, which I, I think is largely going to be negative, even if people, some people are dealing with it okay. So the question is, what are you experiencing for the first time? Or maybe it's not even a new experience, but it's just, um, you know, the apartment that you're in, the the food that you're eating, the, the restaurants that you're going to, or kind of going to, are those all going to be tainted in this way? I guess we won't know for sure, but I think it's likely, very likely to happen to some degree. And the next one here, we're about to see people signaling their superiority and individuality by wearing unique and or expensive masks, including those associated with artists and fashion brands. It's going to be like a new form of personal expression and wealth signaling. I mean, you're going to have like hipsters doing, I don't know, burlap sacks. You're going to have you know, like the, the wealthy Chinese doing like Gucci ones, and you're going to have, you know, I don't know, youngish people doing like individual art. I mean, I, it could be kind of, I don't know, endearing. Like if you subscribe to someone who does custom art and you're buying a print of that, and that's also on the mask. And uh, there's just, it's one more opportunity, one more location that you can broadcast a brand from. So I think that'll be interesting to watch. Updates. Still making my way through the new Piketty book. He's talking more about recent history now, which is more engaging to me. Absolutely loving it, but also can't wait to finish it. I've got so many other books I can't wait to start. Uh, just kind of accumulating in the queue. I re-recorded the intro and the outro audio for the show. So they should all be more similar and synchronized. So that's good. They're all using the new mic before it was the old mic on the ends and the new mic in the middle. And it was a little bit jarring to switch back and forth. So that should be cleared up. And if you have any ideas on the audio, let me know. And I've been doing a massive deep dive on coffee again, which is why it came up in my random example just a second ago. I now own two of the best manual coffee grinders in the world, the M47 by Kinu and the 108 by Helor. And I've spent like 20 hours on coffee YouTube, which is quite fun. And as usual, the more I learn, the more I realize there is to learn. So starting to think about roasting and like the plant itself. Oh, here's a piece of trivia for you. Coffee bean is basically a cherry. In fact, a lot of people call them cherries. It's 
It's a fruit with a, it's a stone fruit. It's like a peach. And um, the pit is the coffee piece. A lot of people know that, but it's, I knew it too, but I didn't really know it. It's kind of weird to hear. Anyway, coffee. Coffee is good. Discovery. A few 80-20 tips for writing. How coffee became a modern necessity. You can see here that I'm seeing it everywhere now. <laughs> a list of corporate assets, which is great for bug bounty hunters. This is really cool. It's like click on a company, you see everything they own. Think about how I can script something around this. If we could see Andromeda's full size, this is how it would look in the sky. It's an image of Andromeda next to the moon, and it looks massive. Basically, we can't see the outer rings because they're not dense enough. But if we could, that's what it would look like. And this really cool tool, Should I Trust? It is a tool to quickly evaluate the trustworthiness of a company. It's kind of like Security Scorecard or one of those things, or BitSight or one of those. But... Um, automated and free and leveraging a bunch of OSINT tools. And I, I just see tons of potential. I'm probably going to reach out to this guy, see if he wants to collaborate on anything. Recommendations? Highly, highly recommend a show called Afterlife on Netflix. It's by Ricky Gervais, who, in my opinion, tells some of the most touching human stories in the world. I really get the feeling that he's continuously trying to diagnose his own sort of anger and judginess issues. I mean, I guess that's fairly obvious, but he's been doing this since the office. He's like diagnosing both himself and the rest of the world and people like him, as well as prescribing treatment, which is to just relax and enjoy, you know, people's idiosyncrasies and their imperfections and to just be nice. I mean, that's the overall message. Just be nice. And this execution here, I, I, I think I watched both seasons in a row in one day. I think that was Saturday. It's just quite good. Highly recommended afterlife on Netflix. And the aphorism for the week. An exclamation point is like laughing at your own joke. An exclamation point is like laughing at your own joke. Francis Scott Fitzgerald. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of Unsupervised Learning. I believe inserting random ads into content is not just annoying, but that it's toxic to honest expression. So if you enjoy the show, please consider supporting it directly for just $5 a month or $50 a year, which is two months for free. UL members get the newsletter every week instead of just twice a month. They get access to the archives. They get access to the UL Slack community, where we share ideas and links about the topics we discuss here. And they also get access to the UL Book Club, where we pick a book a month and talk about it live as a group. To become a member, just head over to danielmiesler.com slash subscribe. And thank you so much to everyone who's already become a member. Each of you is participating in the direct model of creator support that is helping this show survive and grow. And I greatly appreciate it. We'll see you next time.